Oh God, you are a good, good father. It's who you are. And we are truly loved by you. That's who we are. Teach us, Lord, this morning how to discover the joy of living the decluttered life because of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. We are finishing the sermon series today uh, entitled Living the Decluttered Life. We've been studying over these six weeks various parables of Jesus. We began with the parable of the wise and foolish builders and talked about the importance of building our life on a solid foundation of Christ and His Word. Then we looked at the parable of the unforgiving servant and talked about the importance of letting go in our decluttering efforts, letting go of those resentments and angers toward people who have harmed us and being willing to forgive. Then we studied the parable of the lost sheep, the importance of seeking the lost. Then the parable of the good Samaritan and the importance of reaching out with care and time for people in need. And last week, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, recognizing we are all laboring in the vineyard of God's kingdom. Today's parable is the parable of the sower and the seed, as we heard in Mark chapter 4. We're going to go through this a little bit at a time in detail, where it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Now, the lake that is mentioned uh, here is a reference to the Sea of Galilee up in northern Israel, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. This is an aerial view of part of the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee with a little cove there. And many think that that is the cove where Jesus was when he taught the parable of the sower and the seed. And so that cove is often referred to as the cove of the sower. Mark goes on, tells us that the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. If we can show the the next photo, we can just imagine that crowd of people on that shoreline, perhaps even going up the hillside, because it was such a large crowd of people, evidently they were pressing in on Jesus, and he wanted everyone to be able to hear him well. So he got into a boat, probably a small fishing boat, and pushed out a little offshore. And we can just imagine that shoreline full of people and Jesus in the little boat a few yards off as he looks toward the crowd sitting in the boat and teaches from the boat. Because of the hillside, it served as kind of a natural amphitheater with good acoustics so everyone would be able to have heard him well. Mark tells us that he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. All right, back in antiquity, farming was rather uh, primitive in its approach. It didn't have the modern agricultural equipment that we have today. And so a farmer would have a satchel over his shoulder filled with seed. He would reach into that satchel with his hand and cast the seed out over the field. It was called called broadcasting the seed. And yes, we get that term broadcasting from the realm of agriculture. 
Today we use that term to talk about casting out news. We broadcast the news or broadcast a television program or a radio program. But originally it was an agricultural term for casting out the seed. Jesus goes on then with the parable. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus finished that parable. He told a number of other parables. And then at the end of the day, the crowds dispersed. And Jesus went off by himself with his own disciples. And when Jesus was alone with his 12, they began to ask him about his use of parables. Why did he use these as part of his teaching? And he helps them to understand that parables intentionally have a mysterious sort of element to them. You don't quite know what the story means at first. And that's intentional because it draws the listener into the story. It forces the person to kind of scratch their head and say, hmm, I wonder what that little story means. And as the person ponders the meaning of the story, it allows the Holy Spirit to work in the heart and mind and soul of that person. Now, in most cases, Jesus did not explain the meaning of the parable that he tells. But in this particular case, Jesus does explain the meaning of the parable to his own disciples. The seed in the story is the Word of God. The four different types of soil represent four types of people, or maybe better said, four types of hearts and their receptivity to God's Word, as this little image maybe can help us appreciate. Jesus explained the meaning of the parable. He said, the farmer sows the Word, and some people are like seed along the path where the Word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the Word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. But others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. This sermon series we've been in, we've called Living the Decluttered Life. And in today's parable, 
we hear that there are different kinds of clutter, if you will, clutter that prevent the Word from taking root in people's hearts and minds. In one case, it's the clutter of evil influences that snatch away the Word before it has a chance to even plant itself. Or maybe it's some of those rocky obstructions resulting in just kind of a shallow faith that's sort of temporary that easily gives way under the pressure of trouble or persecution for the name of Jesus. Or then there's those thorny worries and thorny worldly things that choke the Word, those, those obst- obstructions, those distractions, if you will, of the things of this life that get in the way and choke the Word before it can plant itself in our hearts. Let me ask you, is there anything cluttering up your heart, preventing God's Word from taking root in you? What kind of decluttering, spring cleaning is needed in your life? As I study this parable, I see at least two takeaways from this parable that we can apply to our own lives. The first takeaway from this parable is this. God is eager for that fourth type of heart. He's eager for that fourth type of heart, one that will gladly receive God's Word, His Word of love and grace, and receive that and embrace it by faith, recognizing that even that faith is a gift to us from the Holy Spirit. And friends, that Word, that seed, that message from God centers precisely on Jesus who willingly and lovingly died for you and rose again for your salvation. The seed is the message about Jesus who loved you so much. He stepped in where you should have been and He took your place under the damnation from the Heavenly Father. He piled on Himself all of our sins and took the punishment we deserve at the cross. He died in our place to forgive it all. And He rose again on the third day to guarantee that through faith in Him, we have a place in heaven awaiting us, and we too will rise from the dead on the last day and spend eternity with our Savior. What amazing love that is. And what an amazing message it is for us. Let me ask you, just point blank, What do you think of Jesus? What does He mean to you? God is eager for hearts that will receive His message of love in Jesus Christ. Now, from the last part of the parable, it is clear that God desires to produce a great harvest Uh, Jesus said it this way at the end. Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. God desires to produce a great harvest. And His sincere desire is that all people would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth through Jesus Christ. And that would lead 
to a great harvest indeed. Now that brings us, friends, to the second takeaway from this parable. The second takeaway for those of us who know Jesus as our Savior is this. We are to be sowers of the Word. We're to be the farmer in that story along with God. We are to be the sowers of the Word. But there's a problem. Our lives can so easily get cluttered up with meaningless activities that take us away from our most important task, that of being sowers of the Word. Last Thursday, you may, may or may not know, was a significant day in the church year. Last Thursday was Ascension Day. It's probably the most overlooked high festival day in the Christian church year uh, of all because it always falls on a Thursday because Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after he had risen from the dead. So it always falls on the 40th day, Thursday. But it's an extremely important event because Jesus went back up into heaven to prepare a place for his followers, for you and me, and awaits the day when he's going to come and take us home. But it's what Jesus said to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven that is so important for us today. Jesus' last words to his disciples before ascending into heaven were these. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those were his last words to his followers and they're his words to us too. We will be his witnesses. And you will receive power to be his witnesses. And ten days later it happened. Ten days later. On the annual Jewish festival of Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church in a mighty way and the people were filled with the power of the Spirit to proclaim the good news, to plant the seed of the gospel in the hearts of people in various languages. By the way, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. We will celebrate the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. But we also recognize that that Holy Spirit was poured into our lives in our baptism. In that moment, God the Holy Spirit took up residence within us and empowers us through baptism to be witnesses for Jesus. We have that Spirit's power within us to sow the seed, to broadcast the message, to get the word out and plant that seed well in the hearts of good soil. Now, to be clear, it's the Holy Spirit's job to water the seed and make it grow. We don't really do that. That's His job. The whole uh, responsibility of leading someone and converting them from an unbeliever to a believer, that's the Holy Spirit's work. Our job is simply to sow the seed. That's what we need to be about. And make no mistake, that seed is powerful. St. Paul writes about how powerful the gospel seed is in the life of people when he writes to the Romans these words, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, 
For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It has a power in it, Paul says. This gospel seed has a power inherent in it to change lives from the inside out. And when it gets planted and watered by the Spirit, he does marvelous things with it. In the Old Testament reading for today, we we heard about the power of God's Word. God says through Isaiah, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it uh, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Friends, when we understand the power of the Word to change people's lives and produce a great harvest for all of eternity, doesn't that give our life real meaning and purpose? It gives us a purpose for getting up every single morning. For now we see that our primary calling in life is to sow the seed of the gospel. That's our primary calling. Knowing that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is what leads people all the way to heaven, helps us to clear away the clutter of meaningless, unimportant, time-wasting activity. Let's be about what really matters, because that's when we begin to grasp the joy of living the decluttered life. Now we can joyfully focus on what really matters sharing that simple but powerful life-changing message of Jesus' death and resurrection with people so that they too may have eternal life. Is there anything, I ask you, is there anything more important than that? Isn't it time to clear away the clutter? Isn't it time to sow some seed. Indeed, you've been given those little seed hearts. I invite you all to plant some of these. Take a few with you. Give them to others. And let it be a reminder to you of the importance of our primary task of sharing the message of Jesus with those who don't yet know Him. May God help all of us to declutter our lives so that we can be about our primary calling to be sowers of the Word. Then we will truly experience the joy of living the decluttered life. Amen.